Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, 24 Carat Tribe. We are so excited Woo-hoo! to have you here today. Woo! We have a special guest, Tony Julian. She and I met at a women's event, and I just fell in love with her. So I said, you have to be on the podcast and she agreed. So <laughs> thank you for agreeing to like this crazy lady walking up to you at an event going, you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> How could I say no? Great. So we are so thrilled to have you today. And um, we are going to talk a lot about a lot of things today. Yeah. But I think mainly Phyllis and her have a lot in common. So I'm going to let you kind of take it Which away is from. always so amazing when Rhonda comes home and she goes, I met someone at this <laughs> yeah. conference, but you and her have a lot in common. Yeah. So um, what's cool is one of the things we found out is we both went to the same high school. We're nuts. I know. Crazy. <laughs> We're acorns. Go acorns. Go acorns. I know. <laughs> and so that was crazy when we started talking about that. But um, I know Rhonda had come home and said, oh, you have to meet Tony because she has some childhood things that are similar to yours. And mm-hmm. so I kind of wanted to start there and just... Um, ask you a little bit about your childhood and how you grew up and also um, just the relationship with your mom. Oh, yes. Boy, we're going to dig deep. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're going in. We're going in. We're always like, hey. Hey, how you doing? So tell me about your mother. Give me me all your dirt. (laughs) Boy, what what a great question. And yes, and thank you both ladies. I am so, I feel like it's such a gift to be here. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny because I used to lead in my life with my mom and the things around that, like that, mm. that was what what I identified with as a person. I let it define mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't now. So I love to talk about it because mm. now I've learned so much and have just a different perspective. You know, you can grow yeah. beyond these things. So I grew up in Morgan Hill and we were on a branch. We actually moved down here from Los Gatos at the end of my sixth grade. So just imagine, you know, the white the white knee socks and little dresses yeah. and the, <laughs> the curly frizzy hair. Remember it well. Remember all that? <laughs> Yeah, so moving down here, we had an acre and Mm. this little home, and we had probably two of every animal. It was like a Noah's Ark, and Mm. I didn't like animals, but I so I bought a motorcycle because a horse would buck me off. So I'm like, forget this, I want something I can control. She was rebellious from the start. (laughs) On a motorcycle, you hit the brakes, it stops. Horses don't. But we grew up here, and you know what? I we had a neighbor, so there was just so much turmoil um, Mm. from that point that we moved down to Morgan Hill. And it just started off with um, a mother that had anxiety and depression, and I didn't mm. know what it was. You know, I was 12 and grew up with it, of course. And well, there especially was, that time. I mean, I think they back then, like, they didn't it. talk about that Mm-mm. stuff, right? Like, no, you know, not at all. It wasn't something that you were open about. It, it, you know, and I just thought, oh, you know, my mom's, like, drunk in the driveway with her girlfriend. That's yeah. normal. Yeah. <laughs> That's my life. That's yeah. my life. 
And it's so, just a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was. It was probably was. It didn't matter what day yeah. it was. Uh, but there were just so many situations like with her and our interactions prior to that that I just felt like my spirit was just squashed. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of emotional abuse, some some physical abuse, mm-hmm. and it just escalated. So Morgan Hill was the reason I'm kind of starting there is that it was a childhood that where I already did not feel loved or accepted. Mm-hmm. It was a point in my time, a point in time where I just felt like so lonely. I remember looking mm-hmm. out a window and it was raining and I was like 13 and I just looked out the window like I am so lonely mm-hmm. and I was very in touch with my feelings mm-hmm. and so we're on this ranch and my mother's behavior just kind of got more and more erratic and she drank more I think it was to just um quash the anxiety yeah. but that I think the drinking created some depression right yeah. you know it's just two yeah. sides of that and so um so during those years it just started out with uh, a neighbor's actually started terrorizing our family. Oh. And this went on for about three years. Oh and what happened first was we had a little dog. He was so cute. His name was Tarzan because he was just fierce. He was this little loss of black loss of opso with no tail. So he just wiggled his butt <laughs> when he was happy. He was so cute. And he wandered into our neighbor's yard and our neighbors had about 10 pit bulls. And they literally oh. just, just oh. shredded my dog. So my mother went over didn't handle things great, you know, as people that are in that state don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she took a hammer and started trying to like break break um, their garage door. Oh my gosh. And so the uh, the neighbor next door was actually this guy that had been in prison. He abused people. He was just a fighter. He was he was a mean a mean man. Wrong person to cross. Wrong person. And my dad always said, you know, you just reason things out, but you know, he just couldn't be reasoned with. Yeah. So it started this whole, um, just it just this escalation of events that happened toward us. And one was we went to Disneyland and we came back home and our house was completely flooded with water. <gasps> they had taken a hose and put it in my brother's bedroom window and let it run for four days. Oh my goodness. Oh, and so, wow. yeah, so we came home and all the carpets had to be ripped out and... And then after that, they had graffitied our home um, all over the sides of the home. We lived in Morgan Hill here off yeah. of Yagas, yeah. right? And it just, uh, so we called the police and the police did this uh, sting. So they stayed overnight over the weekend in our home. And we get a call from the neighbors saying, we know they're there. I don't oh, know how in the world they knew gosh. they're there. So it just kept going on. And then the next time after that, it was, uh, we were in bed and they threw a military scale tear gas bomb in my bedroom window. Oh my goodness. So talk about trauma. And I was yeah. up on this upper bunk. Yeah. I think I was 13 or 14. And the bomb just kept bouncing around from in the oh room. My and I had a brand new coat. My heart is school. like yeah, right, out of right? my throat right now. I'm like, no. Yeah, it that, was frightening. That is, yeah, that is And I'm really... sure for your mom who already struggled with anxiety. Yes. I mean, that probably just escalated to another level, right? It did. And yeah. more friction between mm-hmm. my parents. And then we wow. were displaced. And we, were, we all had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's like you're on fire. You know when you see yeah. the movies and someone has had tear gassed? And yeah. it's right. like, no, no, no. It's like your nose runs. Your eyes run. You put uh-huh. water on it. It burns, burns even more. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we were displaced then. And then the last thing that happened was uh, they our house burned down to the ground wow. like I can't, it was on April Fool's Day and wow. I was 16 years old at Live Oak High School Crazy. and the principal calls me into his office and he and he's saying 
Tony, calm down. And he's shaking my shoulders. Calm down, calm down. I said, what's going on? He said, your house is on fire. And I said, I got it. He's like, no, don't drive. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I was totally you totally just calm i'm just stuffed it yeah you know you just like you're well, like it's a tuesday out. it's a tuesday <laughs> you know and i, I think that's interesting because i was talking to a gal last week and um you know she came from a family where her her parents were they were meth addicts and so she, there's a lot of trauma that she never dealt with and i think when you have traumatic things like that especially when you're young like you just don't know how to deal with them as you become an adult so then right. what do you do when you mm-hmm. do become an adult and have like to when deal your with mother uproots your family yes. at eight and moves you away and doesn't yeah. tell your dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, like, like that. that. <laughs> yeah, oh. but I Tuesday. do. I mean, I think that yeah, was a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, probably. She was probably. Yeah, that's going to be our tag. Yeah. It's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I was drunk in the front yard and yeah, I just monster. had to move out of my house. <laughs> her house burned down, moved yeah, away. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so obviously lots of trauma there. And yes. then I love, you know, I don't love it, but when you say you had no emotion, it, that is just so common when you just have so many things that are coming at you mm-hmm. time after time after time. You just zone out, you like callous. you just you mm-hmm. nu- you just numb, mm-hmm. and so that's a problem, right? right? It so is. so tell us a little bit, like as a young adult, like how did that affect you in right. your relationships in life? Like how did you deal with things with crisis? Right, right. Well, uh, so I think some good and bad came out of that. So mm-hmm. the when my house burned down. That was kind of, that was just like the pinnacle of everything. Mm -hmm. And I remember my friend coming over and she just looked at me and I was sitting amongst the rubble in the backyard. And she Mm -hmm. said, she just looked at me and she was just devastated. Mm -hmm. She started crying. She said, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. My family wasn't hurt. Mm -hmm. So I think that frame of mind of always looking at an upside in spite of crisis and devastation, Mm -hmm. like I was, I was also at peace because I also knew it was just stuff. I had the wherewithal mm. to know that, yeah. but it did certainly affect me. I mean, I definitely have P- had P- PTSD yeah, for the for longest sure. time, yeah. startle easily. <clears throat> yeah. And I was in this frame of mind. I remember in my twenties, it was just like, I couldn't sleep at, li- at mm-hmm. night unless I thought of something horrible to make me cry. Oh, and then so I would could... be like, okay, that's my normal. And I'd be able to fall asleep. It was like a release. It was a release. Yeah. Yeah. It was just... Could all yeah. in me. Mm. It was. And and I think for me, like how I was able to move beyond that, it just, it took a lot of time and I didn't, I didn't stuff anything, but I would like talk about it. And then that talking about, it, I think mm. I was just trying to purge it from yeah, me right. really. And so the more I talked about it, it evolved into kind of like, oh, this is my identity. Hi, I'm Tony. And I was tear gassed. <laughs> yeah. And that's a <laughs> And so I, just, I think over time, though, what it did as I, my spirit was already just kind of squashed is that mm-hmm. is that I had to really take time to set aside for myself mm-hmm. to just be in touch with myself and and work through things. So I would go on little retreats. I would go to the beach overnight. I would just go find a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And I would write myself letters and I would read self-help books and I would sit on the beach and ponder and I'd yeah. get up and I'm like not putting makeup on and putting sweats on. I'm going to walk and walk and walk and walk and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to write and I'm going to reflect. 
And I wrote a letter to my mother that I never sent her, mm-hmm. but it was all very healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were things like that that I did. You were doing your own self-therapy. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really, I mean, yes. that's a really key thing because you can, you can take it in one of two directions, right? You can stuff and then you're just continuing the generational brokenness, right? Or you can right. take it. And I mean, I'm a big, not everybody's a big writer, so it's hard for people. Not everybody can journal, but like I, both of us love to write and journal. And I think that's such a healing process. So, I mean, luckily you were on that track as opposed to like the self-destructive track where you could have gone the other way, you know? Yes. And I think the other thing that I did that was really useful is, is not just like writing things down, but I, I really looked at my parents and you know how people, they, they're in that blame thing. Well, Mm -hmm. my dad did this to me, so therefore I'm bitter. Mm -hmm. My brother is that way. He's really bitter because my dad did these things to him. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, it was, okay, I'm looking at my parents. And as an adult, now I'm realizing, mm-hmm. oh, they were just people. Yeah. But as a kid, you look at them and you just think they're supposed to be perfect. And right. this is, they're supposed to do this this way. And why don't they understand my feelings around they're this? They're supposed to have all the answers. Yeah. All the answers. Yeah. 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 And I love that you say that because that's what I believe, too, is that we put our parents on a pedestal as, you know, we do as children but then when you grow up, if you can look at them as equals, like as people that have flaws, that don't have all the answers, that don't know a lot of things that are sick, right? you know, and yes. we didn't know that as a child, if you can, and not that it, I think it's important to let people know it's not, you're not forgiving them for mm-hmm. the stuff that they've done. You know what they've done. It did hurt you. But where you can just meet them where they are and just realize as a person they were flawed and they didn't do it well. And that's okay. Absolutely okay. And, and we are parents, all, we would we're want all that same flawed, grace right? from like, our children, I mean, right? You know, we yeah, talk we about, don't do it. And we talk about that all the time. You know, I always tell my kids, like, do it better than dad and I yeah. did. You know what I mean? Like, the only thing I can tell you is do it better. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't done parenting perfect, right? And nobody is going to. We're all right. going to make mistakes. Yeah. But we can get a little bit better with every generation if we just mm-hmm. like look at ourselves in the mirror and say what can I do different you exactly know? and that's that accountability <clears throat> that mm-hmm. I'm referring mm-hmm. to it's like you know I looked at both of my parents mm-hmm. and I said I like that about my dad yeah. he's very planned he's right. very he's, so my parents I, an engineer and an artist yeah. like they couldn't be more wow. different right but I loved my mother's free spirit yeah. and I loved her creativity and I loved you know and there's certain things I didn't love about her and mm-hmm. certain things that I didn't love about my dad he was distance distant when I was a child right. um but but all of that equalized out over time, and there's mm-hmm. just that that um, acceptance, that accountability for myself, that mm-hmm. I am the way I am because I choose to be yeah. the way I am. Right. It was a very conscious thing, and I was always that kid that was just very super sensitive, kind of empathic, and very, yeah. very watchful. I was very aware. Which probably came from the very creative side of your mother, too. So it's right. like, even though you know your parents aren't perfect, you know, the good parts of your parents and the very planned, like that made you a great entrepreneur, right? I mean, that, I mean, all of those characteristics that come into play from our parents, you know, the bad stuff that it sucks, you know, there's no way around that, It does. but the good stuff, like Mm -hmm. it's created who you can be. And if you can be a healthier version of that, that's really important. So absolutely. Yes. So, um, when you, so let's move, move on to, you've got your young adulthood, you started journaling, you started like reflecting on things. And so then you, this entrepreneurial thing came out in you. So at what point did that happen? Wow. It happened early. I remember being 16 and designing business cards. Oh my gosh. That's 
awesome. Because I, back to that creative thing, I love yeah. being creative. And one thing that my mother did so well, bless her heart, she always had projects for me. Mm, it was drawing cool. or, or glass painting or jewelry making. There was mm-hmm. always, always something creative to do. She always had projects for me. When I was 16, I was building balsa wood airplanes and I was, I was doing boy things, doing, uh, putting together little motorcycles and yeah. toy kit yeah. cars and things. Cause I just had to be doing a macrame, crocheting, like anything I get my hands <laughs> yeah. on. Dream catchers. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I remember wearing, you know, yeah. Yeah, there's a jewelry yeah. and all this. Oh you know, my God. You're taking me back. <laughs> I'm like, on. oh, I remember that time. I think I ripped my earlobes from all those heavy earrings that we oh, used to exactly. make with the beads. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, so I just remember designing this business mm. card and doing artwork for people just as That's a, cool. at 16 and, and, and at 17 and at 18. And then I went to work for a company called The Shirtworks doing t-shirt design. Oh, yeah. So when the Medfly thing was yeah. happening, oh, yeah. I remember. I remember doing the first Medfly t-shirt. Maybe you should go back into the business of t-shirt. Yeah, coronavirus. The coronavirus t-shirt. Sorry, that was a bad joke. But anyway, oh I mean, we're in the midst that, of it. That so. was funny. Hey, we have to laugh about it. We do. so much hysteria. We do. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Phyllis and I are going to do an episode on fear because we're just like, oh my goodness. Exactly. It's like chaos over here. We have things exactly. canceling left and right. We're yes. just like, oh boy. Okay, here we go. But, yes. okay, so first First legit business, like when right. did that happen? I would say uh, as a consultant when I was, I think about, oh, well, you know what? I was about 20, 2021. I was at San Jose State yeah. and I was an advertising major and I was taking a campaigns class. And so this gal that I met in class, her name's Cindy. She'll probably, she'll, I'm sure she'll hear this. <laughs> she said, Hey, we should start a business. I said, sure, let's do that. So we started an advertising agency wow. and I, I was the that. creative director and she was great at writing and sales. And she was just a very strong personality. <laughs> Love her, but very strong personality. And so we, um, got an office off of Walsh Avenue, right next door to Memorex, this little office. <laughs> and we set up our desks and my dad was so proud. It was adorable when he came in to the office. He said, my, my daughter, the entrepreneur. And uh, so we started just doing accounts there. And I remember I was still in college and the, uh, our teacher, because I hired people from inside of our classes, interns, I brought them in. We made the front page of the Mercury News, right? These oh four or five people started this advertising agency. And I remember the instructor said, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. And I said, mm, why can't I wow. take what I'm learning now and apply that to real life business mm-hmm. and take that real life business and be able to ask the questions that is and learn amazing. the things that I want? That is amazing mm-hmm. because I mean... Now that's totally, and even now it's hard when you're young trying to start a business. Yes. But I mean, in that day, like that was unheard of, right? Like one, you're a woman, yes. two, you're starting a business Yes. and that's not allowed. You should be no. learning to knit and cook dinner because <laughs> you need to put your pearls on and be a good wife, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, I got such heat from this man and I realized how strong I was. Mm-hmm. I went to the dean. I wrote the dean a letter. And I said, listen, this is what I'm doing. I think this is unacceptable. Are you Portuguese? No. <laughs> <laughs> Portuguese. Oh, oh, yeah. Same thing. Same thing. People, it but is. 
crazy. It's crazy uh, up in here. We got oh a Mexican, God, right? a Portuguese, and an Italian. Oh, it's fire up in here. Can rule the world. <laughs> all, all strong women. That is Absolutely. awesome. I love you. Don't back down. Yeah. So I wrote the dean, and then his hand got slapped for that, and mm. and that was that was very validating for yeah. me. Yeah. Wow. That's so that was awesome. a very legit business. And I remember this one gentleman that came in. He was designing some doorknob for handicapped people. Mm-hmm. If we, I can say that word handicapped yes, for can. physically disabled right. people. And so he came in and we're sitting across the desk. And mind you, I'm 21 and he's about 80. <laughs> so yeah. we're sitting there and I'm talking to him about designs and how we would go about the strategy for promoting it for him. And we can do this collateral. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you look awfully young. And I said, well, thank you. I said, I get that a lot from people. And I just kept on. That is a great response. Okay, young ladies out there that are business owners, use that. Yeah, don't I apologize wish, for yeah, it. Yeah, don't apologize right. for it. Because I look young, but I mean, I don't look you as young do. as I did. But um, when I was first starting in the business, same thing. We'd come in and, and people would go, well, why are you explaining insurance benefits to us? Like, what do you know about it? You know, and it's like, why do we discount the youth? You right. know what I mean? A lot right. of them have great ideas, and yeah. we've talked about that before. Or even if you're a young doctor, and they oh, go, yeah. oh, no, I want the older doctor. I don't want you operating on me. Unless you had my doctor. Remember Dr. Yeah, Rodriguez? Right. If you haven't, listened to, our, if you haven't listened to our episode, go back yeah. and listen. Uh, Dr. Rodriguez was oh, hot, no. and he was... Oh, she was trying to yes. be... She was a she was mom. I was a new mom, and I was like, I'll take Dr. Rodriguez. <laughs> That doesn't hurt. <laughs> I don't want him to see me naked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's switch to a spiritual side. <laughs> After that, Rhonda. Another adrenaline That's how we do. Uh, so during this time, did you have a spiritual side to you um, growing up and also going into your first businesses where you was, was, were you a praying person or were you just kind of flying by the seat of your pants? Mm, That's an interesting question. Yeah. It's mixed. So I remember just back to when I was a little girl, my mom took me to church one time. Mm -hmm. We just got our patent leather shoes on our little white gloves. It was very cute. And I remember coming back from church and I said, mom, is there a God? And she said, no. Mm, and my heart broke and I was little I was probably four years old Mm. but I remember that and I was just devastated so I wonder why she took you to church I think it was just a thing to do wow I think she just maybe maybe it was some social thing that somebody invited hey you guys you you know Mm -hmm. we should go to church with us and it was just that one time she never went again okay so that was my only experience I just remember melting crayons and doing crayon art and things and so then after that, like when I was in my teens, you know, we just grew up a very atheist family. But I always knew there was a higher power, mm-hmm. a, a, an Something intelligence. Mm-hmm. I just, and I you think about it. our, in our bodies, like we're yeah. so complex. How could we just yeah. be, I, 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 you know, there are aspects to evolution, but I just thought there's got to be more. And I yeah. always knew that. And so when I was about 21, I went to church with a girlfriend. I started going frequently, mm. got into this horrific car accident, her her boyfriend was driving, and we were towing a boat, and we ended up on McKean Road hitting a tree doing, or the telephone pole doing 60, and the oh truck came God. off and hit the telephone pole and landed on top of us. And so we were all going to church together. I go back to the church, and I was just ostracized because we used his insurance for to cover a medical. Yeah. And so it just turned out to be not a good experience. Mm-hmm. So that kind of pushed me away, too. Yeah. 
But then I started um, journaling and praying and meditating. I took a meditation class. So there is this kind of religious side, and then there's mm-hmm. the spiritual oh, side. Man. And the spiritual side was when uh, my dad was terminal about... Well, he passed two years ago. When he was sick, about seven years ago, I started taking meditation and praying and just learning how to ground myself. And it was really helpful. It was very, I was healing my body in certain mm-hmm. ways or being healed. And so I really just started getting more connected. And then literally, so I've been praying mm-hmm. and um, I literally would just... I started becoming clairvoyant. It's not clairvoyant, clairaudient, yeah. where I would just put something out. Like I asked Jesus once, I said, so what did you accomplish on the cross? And I heard the word triumph. Mm-hmm. He accomplished what he intended yeah, to. Right, right. 2,000 years later, look at right. Look right. at all of this. Yeah. No, and I, I right? do believe, you know, it's, you know, in the Bible, it talks about having childlike faith. And I think yes. that is so relevant because I yes. think as we become adults, you know, our our eyes become cloudy. Like we can't see what God has put right in front of us. Right. And so, and you can't hear the voice of God when there's too much busyness in here. Right. Correct. So I feel like God really does speak to us that way if we're open and we're ready for it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I feel like yes. so many times we're just like busy, 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 and we don't take the time to be quiet and meditate. And I know that sometimes like in the Christian world, meditate can sound, mm. oh, it's like new agey, Too, but, yeah. right. but God wants us to meditate. He says yes. in, his, in yeah. his word to meditate on his word and be to still. meditate, be still, mm. you know, be still and know that I am mm. God. Like he, he preaches that in his word. So yeah. For us to say, oh, well, not to meditate or don't, you know, no, he wants us to get quiet. Well, I, I like think that's how she said there's a difference between mm-hmm. spirituality and religion. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So sometimes, and just like what you were talking about, the church. So sometimes the church gets it wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that. Sometimes yep. it gets it wrong. And they're not very gracious in, in things that aren't like, by the law, by the law, by the law. But there's it's a spiritual, yeah. There's mm-hmm. a spirituality of your faith that is between you and God that is different than the walls of a church. And so I think, um, you know, just being pure in that. I think church family is everything. It's community. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love that. I love that yeah. we have like that community of people, like-minded people. But I think people that get too um, legalistic in the the laws of this and this and this and this and this and it's like, have some grace, have some mercy, and and be still, mm-hmm. sit with your God and ask God like, what do you want from my life to pour out to others? And I think that's what you do, is you really got in tune with that, which I love. So I think He's been guiding you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. In fact, this was just this last year. I think last November. I heard, find your path. Mm -hmm. And I said, shoot, I'm not on my path. (laughs) (laughs) There's another one. (laughs) Oh, I thought I was. Yeah. (laughs) And then I heard, people are waiting to hear from you. Mm. And I thought, ah, okay. So coming from my childhood and being squashed and not being able to be heard and not being accepted for the person that I was, I had to really like dig down and find yeah. what are my gifts. So that's this, that's been this entire journey. Yeah. What are my gifts? What are the things that I can offer? Yeah. And, and then coupled with this intense shyness. And so for me to get up on stage, like I was just at the SAP with, with these Olympic gold medalists, yeah. like, okay, that was, that was I amazing. am good enough. Right. You and, are, so, and you know what? Honestly, she was dynamic. Like seeing her, like she, I was drawn to her. I mean, here we had these two Olympic 
Olympians like sitting on stage, but I was drawn to her. Yeah. And, and so there is something about the light that you shine that, that shines so bright, you know? And I think it's funny cause we joke and I'm like, we're introverts and people are like, no way. We're introverts. I'm like, oh no, yeah. we are, we are introverts. Like yeah. her and I love, wow. Phyllis loves to read a good book, go away uh, quiet. I just huddle up in my, if yeah. I have a blankie and I say, yes. if it's cold tea. and I'm by fire, my tea, I'm like, Happy. if you come to my house and you're not expected, you, you may see a braless, yeah. makeupless, glasses, hair in a bun, looking all jacked up. I'm like, don't bug me. Like, yeah. I'm in my little bubble. Right. But because I'm, you know, out there and I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Everyone thinks I'm an extrovert. I'm, I'm like half half right yes yes i need to refuel and i don't want to talk to you yeah and exactly. please don't come to my house unexpectedly right. you might get scared away yeah <laughs> same i am too i mean i'm yeah. in sales and people just yeah. automatically assume like and i think oh. they assume that we're together all oh, yeah. the time like <laughs> we we don't talk to we'll text a lot and yeah. do little gifts and yeah. stuff but we don't see each other for weeks at a time mm-hmm. because we have to like hole up and then we're like, okay, let's energy go back. Yeah. Or let's, we got to do a taping. But so it, there is that thing, you know, where you just have to. And it's funny because yes, the more and more people I, I learn about that are like speakers or, you know, just super dynamic people, you automatically assume, oh, they're extroverts. Right. Only to find out, like, a lot of business owners too. Like you oh, just yeah, assume, oh, right. these entrepreneurs are these, you know, extroverts. I think he that... gifts you with that kind of little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. To keep yeah. you even keeled. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think the important thing is like when, when people are out with people, like in, the, it does take energy and mm-hmm. sometimes extra energy. And sometimes I will get energy, right. From right. doing yeah. those right. things. But then it depends on the people that you're around. Some people just are energy vampires. Yeah. They'll suck the life out of you. So I've been very careful to keep certain people in my inner circle. And then it's like, I'm the center of my circle. And then there are concentric rings around the circle. And I'll keep people even listening to our podcast. (laughs) 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 Because we did talk about that, about how you keep your circle circle small. Yeah, that was it. Some great advice from a mentor of mine back in the day, and I told Phyllis a long time ago. I said right. he gave me the best advice, and he said keep your circle small. And that doesn't mean that you that you just only talk to five people, but it does mean right. that the, your inner circle should be your strongest circle. You know, the ones yes. that are are going to not discourage you from your, your two a.m. friends. Yeah, your two a.m. Right. friends. Yes, exactly. Sure. No, I completely agree with you on that. That's so. With that, was there a time when you felt not good enough? Um, because of your past, and then what did you do to overcome that? Right. Boy, that not good enough was a major theme Mm. through a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. And it is so unfortunate because I would have done a lot of things differently, not Mm -hmm. necessarily in my career or my path, but I just would have been bolder. Mm -hmm. I would have been way bolder. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have dated some of the guys that I (laughs) dated. Preach! (laughs) We all have our hand raised. What made me think that I know. was what? good? What was I thinking? <laughs> Seven years yes. ago, in fact. <laughs> yeah. hey. I wasted how many years? Yeah. And, and it's all for a purpose. Like for yeah. each one of those people yes. that are brought yeah. into our yeah. lives, we that. learn from totally. them. Totally. But each time I thought, why did I spend so much time with that person? Yeah. I knew earlier, right? And so, but I would give myself a three-month mark. And I'd yeah. say, okay, if it doesn't work out by three months, forget it. If like, if I'm not really feeling it, then there's really no point in it for either one of us right right? and so I would kind of move on with that but I but I think that the most helpful thing that I did for myself 
is uh, it for my self-esteem was to try to recognize my gifts. And I wasn't mm-hmm. aware of what they were. And even mm-hmm. and even now, sometimes like it, it took this one a man that I know, he said, you know, Tony, you're really good at pulling people together for a common good. You're a leader. Mm-hmm. You pull people together and you get get all this movement toward something. Yeah. And I said, really? Oh, I, cause he saw me do these performance trials in my right. food business. And I had all these athletes, these elite athletes do these trials where we, we tested the performance mm-hmm. of my product against their, what they ate. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I had 20 volunteers and 20 athletes and we were out at a track at Valley Christian high school. I said, they better let me use this track. I put four kids through school. <laughs> yeah, right. I own this track. Uh, <laughs> I think right. I paid for this yeah, track. Exactly. <laughs> you probably did. That's awesome. <laughs> Okay, it should be the Tony Julian track. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so I think it was just like hearing from people. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. an external thing because we don't always view ourselves the way that other Mm -hmm. people view us, our own Mm -hmm. perspectives. And even just like a month ago, somebody told me, oh, Tony, you are so this or so that. I said, really, you perceive me that way? I didn't, I didn't really think, I didn't really know that. that, I mean, you, Mm -hmm. you, you automatically assume people, um, don't see certain things in you. Yes. And you automatically assume like it's, it's the um, narrative in your head. I I think I wrote something about that not too long ago about we have all these narratives in our head that cloud what the actual reality is of things. Yeah. And so I think that it, I mean, once we can kind of grasp the fact that, oh man, like I am enough, like I am enough and that's not in an arrogant way, but in a positive way saying, you know, I, I deserve this and I am good enough to do this. And I am called to write a book or start a business or, you know, whatever you're doing. Yes, exactly. And for everyone that is listening right now, everybody is more than good enough. Everybody is a little bit of God. Like, Uh like if we just looked at ourselves, like even just write yourself a letter, Yeah. right? Write yourself a letter. I did that. I went on a retreat. My husband gifted it to me. I wrote myself a letter and they mailed it to me six months later. And this was after like self care and getting up at five 30 and doing hike and eating organic food and no alcohol and just like pure self care. And I wrote myself this letter and, and in it, I wrote that I was good enough. I was more than good enough that I loved myself, that I was a beacon of light for others to help them show the way to help lift the human spirit that I'm here, that I love my brothers and sisters, everybody that I haven't met yet. We are all more than good enough. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. And so like, I would encourage people to take care of yourself, write yourself a letter. And when you're feeling not good enough, like take it out and read it. Mm -hmm. It is so powerful. Yeah, I know. My, I have a, a planner that I got from, uh, have you ever heard of Christy Wright? So she works with Dave Ramsey. She's one of his oh, celebrities there. And okay. um, in her goal planner, she actually tells you to write down like things that you want to happen in five years. It's, it's very similar mm-hmm. to, a, you know, a letter kind of thing. And it, it is yeah. when you write it down. It's just, it's so weird how, like I tell people all the time, it's weird how you write it down and then it manifests. Like you just oh, like, it does. I think it's just the the simple act of believing it enough to do it. And, and we talk about this all the time, doing it scared, you know, doing it not in fear, but scared. Well, you like, feel a God, a heart tug. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing you feel is like, Oh no, that can't be me. You know, there's that, that doubt creeps right in. But I feel like when God is tugging at your heart for something that really piques your interest or really gets your heart stirring, that is your path. That's That's right. what he's trying to tell you is like, yes. I have this thing for you, but you won't walk through it. And if you walk through it, I have 10 million other things yeah. for you. 
yeah. but you won't walk through the one. And right. so, so until you walk you the through things. the one, yep. I can't right. open the door for you. And mm-hmm. I found that that has happened to me this last year is that when I walked through the one mm-hmm. of believing enough mm-hmm. to say, yeah, I can write this book. Like it's super hard. It took four years, but yeah. I can do it. And, um, now, you know, a thousand more doors have opened. Oh, and absolutely. I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, this came out yeah. of, yeah. 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 And so it's just amazing. Um, the self-doubt we have, and especially I will say from our past and the trauma and the sure. PTSD mm-hmm. and all the things that hold us back because we think we're damaged, but actually that's part of your message is your mess. Yeah. And so you can create something really beautiful because people can relate to you more because they're like, wow, okay, you've been through some hard times. I've been through some hard times. Tell me more. Right. Or I want what you have because you're, you're moving in this positive path. You're, you're doing really beautiful things. Like I want more of that. So I think we're all here. Like you said, like it just, it's a, it's an effect that like just keeps happening and snowballing. Mm-hmm. The more you spread out, the more they get better than they can teach yes. others and they can teach, yeah. you know, the so ripple. And I will yeah. tell you when I heard just Phyllis, the title of your book unmothered, it touched me. I haven't read it yet. I will. I promise you, <laughs> but, it, but, but just that yeah. alone touched me and lifted me. And I'm I, because yeah. nobody wants to feel alone and we walk right. through life yeah. and we meet people and we assume like if, when people see me, they think, Oh, She's got been it gifted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look that's, she's been. that's what I hear. Look what a kid walk she's lived. Oh, yeah. She has blonde, a silver spoon wine. in her mouth. Yeah, right. Like, right. Yeah, I'm right. Like, You're. I'm like, she's oh, got the right. beautiful hair and the blue eyes. Yeah. What could she have worried about? She had Tuesday. <laughs> she had Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday of Mama every day. in the yes. hallway. Yeah, okay. I wore those little Tuesday under panties for her. buy her Tuesday underwear. Okay, people, we are having way too much fun here, but we are going to end this episode, but don't worry because we are having Tony back for episode number two because she is so amazing. We couldn't just have her for one. But before we leave, I want her to just tell everybody where you can find you on Instagram and Facebook and any social media, your website, um, just where they can find you. Oh, absolutely. Everywhere. So my website is TonyJulian.com, and it's Tony with an I, and then Julian as in Julian Lennon. So TonyJulian.com. I am on Facebook as Tony Julian as well. I have a personal page, and I just started a private group page that uh, if you uh, want to just connect with me as a friend, I will invite you to my private page as well. And then we are on Instagram under Tony's Protein Meals. I know. We're so excited because in the next episode, we're going to talk about that. But until next time. 24 Carat Tribe, we want to make sure that you don't forget to follow us on Instagram on 24 Carat Conversations Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and share all of those and review because all of those things help us. And until next time, sparkle on. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.